With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, folks, welcome back to the latest Mountain West Wire Basketball Podcast Edition. You know where to find us, MWWire.com, Twitter, all that fun stuff, MWC Wire. Jeremy Moss hanging out with Eli Betker to talk uh, hoops, of course, right? Basketball. We're almost the end of non-conference play, almost. We're almost, and I am definitely needing to catch up on some sleep these next few days because Mountain West has been playing some absurdly late games the last 48 hours, and I'm starting to feel it at this point. Yeah, thanks, Nevada. Thanks, UNLV. Yeah. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah, there's a... Oh, I have a quick question for you because we're going to get to the games and everything, but I didn't really watch a ton of that Nevada-TCU game. I sort of did. did. How much did that volleyball game preempt the basketball game? Because I thought I was daydreaming. You know, I woke, I, I fell asleep, woke up like, oh, that game's on. Let me turn it on for a minute and watch. Did that volleyball game go until like midnight or past 11 Pacific time? It was really late. I think the Nevada-TCU game did not switch over to ESPNU until the... I think it was under 12 timeout of the second half. So it was deep into the game. I'm pretty sure it was either under 12 or under 16. And it was on ESPN News to start, right? Yes, and then switched over late. How did the volleyball games go that long? I don't know why you would schedule NCAA tournament games regardless of the sport that late. That seems kind of odd to me. Yeah, it's... And to go that... Not just late, but that late beyond? Yeah, it's like, I don't know. I've, I've seen volleyball. I know they can go... What, I think it's five sets maximum if it goes a distance. But I'm like, wait, am I on the right channel? What's going on? Like, I did doze off for a minute. What's going on? Yeah, that was odd. But it was well into the second half before the game switched over. And I don't know uh, which teams were playing that volleyball game. But, man, I hope their fans were able to see what they needed to see because that was a late one. It's... Is that the right call, though? Stick with the, vo- stick with the scheduled program? Or should they switch ball- volleyball to uh... – here's the thing. NCAA tournament, great. I don't care if it's a women's sport or not, whatever non-revenue, but that's a top 25 matchup. Each team was ranked. Yeah, it is. I think if you make it clear of what the channel is on, I think you can probably stick with it. But And I, and we got some mentions like, oh, they're getting bumped for women's volleyball. I mean, hey, it's a it's a tournament game. Let them let them uh, be shown on, on their channel that they were supposed to be shown on because it's a big game for them, so might as well stick yeah. it with them. I'll say this. It's better than CBS Sports Network. Because either it's not shown or it's online only. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that is true. Uh, let's, uh, let's get going here. Since I, since I brought up Nevada, we're going to change it and talk about Nevada. All right, so, uh, yeah, Nevada, volleyball, whatever. They get their they get their limelight. But let's get to Nevada. I, we were going to start with uh, San Diego State, but we'll get to uh, another team that's on heartbreak as well, but with Nevada. Sorry, had to do it. <laughs> Wolf, so, <laughs> first off, Nevada fans, don't get mad at us. We, um, your team's finally really good. Not finally, but a good again. And with that comes a weird feeling because, hey, my team's good. I need to defend my team if anybody says anything negative. Because you had a little, you had some tw- Twitter interactions without really being negative, just pointing some obvious things out. Because, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. Tough. Um, I, it's, it's tough because, like, I'm, I'm trying to, 
put out some facts about what the reality of it is of Nevada's potential for receiving at-large right now. And basically, if you go through their schedule, they have a top 50 win against Rhode Island at home. They have a top 100 home win against Davidson. And then they had this huge week where they could have picked up road or neutral wins against top 25 Big 12 opponents, or presumably top 25 by season's end in Texas Tech and TCU. So I I try to be lenient when I use the the words must must win when it comes to these teams because just declaring any win uh, any game must win in November and December could come off as a bit hot takey I guess but if you look at recent history the teams that are in Nevada situations and presumably one or two bid leagues that they, they really need to pick up these road wins against quality teams when they get the opportunities and Nevada came up short this week so it's only the so much you can get with a quality loss, right? And so it's like, I yeah, get it. It's exactly. like, okay, you play good teams. You beat Rhode Island, which is really good, but it's a home game, which not but a home game, but it's a game where, okay, you're at home. It's still a good win, but TC's neutral site, um, Texas Tech on the road. And both those games, we'll talk about both of them, but the big picture is this, the way this conference has been gone the past couple of years, you have to win these games. Not every single one, like you said, but... We we're hoping to split because going to Texas Tech is difficult. Going playing out in LA against a good TCU team, which it was, I believe that was their first game away from home. Not their because TCU has not played a true road game all season. I believe was that their first uh, game away from Fort Worth, or is it just one, another one of their uh, neutral games? Because I read somewhere that they haven't. They they still have yet to play a true road game, but this okay. is their third so neutral game that, of the season. Like these two losses on the road, the way the committee's mm-hmm. doing new things now, it'll say okay, they lost a good two good teams away. But again, it's like they start Texas Tech. They had a what ten point lead in the second half and blew it. They had to have their star players play the whole game essentially forty five minutes. They had they only played seven deep that game. How, I don't see how you're going to beat any good team going seven deep in overtime and have two of your starters play forty five minutes. It's tough because it's almost the same rotation or uh, at least numbers wise the same number of guys that they used last year despite having what most would say is a deeper team this season. So I I feel like Eric Musselman's probably um, pondering what he might change going forward. I did see that he's obviously disappointed with their defense of these last two games. They gave up an 83 points uh, average for these past two games against Texas Tech and TCU. So I did ponder the idea of moving to a 2-3 zone or at least blending it in in these last three, non-conference, last three or four non-conference games. So we might see some changes. I think they're still maybe a bit more top-heavy with their starters than we probably thought heading into the season, and maybe they're not as deep as we expected. But I would think that you wouldn't need to play two guys for 45 minutes in an overtime game, although Cody Martin and Caleb Martin are excellent. But you'd think, uh, especially with some of the injuries they've battled the first couple of weeks, that you could give yeah, well, them at least a bit for of a 60 breather. Point, or 50 points. That's a good thing, but it's like their bench has three points. But here's the problem: in the game they were. People mentioned that Rhode Island game a ton of free throw disparity. Well, Texas Tech made twelve more free throws. That was basically the game right there. When they make that many more free throws, Nevada was amazing for three point range, but it it started being a free throw contest a little bit, and they just they just lapsed a little bit and had run, Nevada gave up those big runs in the second half and. They tried, I don't know, it was just, um, who didn't Nevada have the last shot and took a three-pointer? Was that how it finished up in regulation? 
Didn't I tweet something about terrible end of call play or end of play call or something? Yeah, they, they did have a shot at the end to uh, take the win. I th- I'm pretty sure it's Jordan Carolina, and I can't say for sure. But Nevada had their chances, and you can't expect to pick up uh, a road win against a team like Texas Tech. But, man, it, it's just it's going to sting for Nevada moving forward these, these next few months because they know that they could have had this huge win in a true neutral site against a top 25 Big 12 opponent. And you look back, I, I did some research over the weekend because I wanted to just see for myself what it's like for a team that's in the same situation as Nevada. And I found out that over the last five seasons, 35 non-power conference teams have clinched at large bids. And 32 of those had at least one win over a power conference team, which is something that Nevada will lack. And also 28 of the 36 had a top 100 road or neutral victory. And um, Nevada doesn't have a top 200 Mm. road or neutral victory. So... That's definitely concerning. It's not the end of the world, though, because we have seen teams get in without that. Um, and and with the way the committee is favoring the metrics, um, like Ken Palm and Sagarin and BPI and all those, it's going to be really tough to keep a team out like Nevada if they're in a the top 25 by season's end, which is something that we've seen with like Wichita State and VCU and Gonzaga and some of those programs the last few years, so... As long as Nevada keeps winning, they should be okay. But uh, it, it's not the situation right now is not as pretty as as you would think heading into the season. So those are going to be two like tough losses. Any sort of bench, team. like the TCU game, TCU was ahead the whole time. So it wasn't like the Texas Tech game where they had a big lead and kind of blew it. TCU led the first half. Had was it thirty one nineteen at some point, double digit lead in the first half. Nevada came back, but they were never really back in that game because. They were to make three pointers, six of eighteen. TCU made their three pointers, and I guess going twenty to thirty is not great from the free throw line. But look at this again: thirty-eight minutes for Caleb Martin, for Cody Martin, forty minutes, or I don't know, it's C Martin. What's the difference here? Whatever they combined for seventy-eight minutes. Sorry, I just look at C Martin on the on the chart. You'd think ESPN would uh, write out their first name or something, or at least CACO. But they, <laughs> thirty minute, thirty-eight minutes, forty minutes. Caroline, thirty-eight minutes, and then you had uh, Lindsey Drew, thirty minutes. It's like. And Lindsey Drew scored zero points. Is that correct? Is this no shot? Yeah, that's right. But he's not hes not really much of a scorer. So I, that's not I, like I, I, completely out of the ordinary. I, you want other guys to shoot, but that's still... Plus minutes and he doesn't take one shot. Is he really useful? I know he's, he he does stuff for Nevada, the reason he starts and why he plays. But And he had five fouls, which doesn't help either. But that makes their bench or their depth even worse if he can't score any points. I'm not saying he needs to score 15 a game. But you got to give him something. You can't score like he scores six points a game. Great, but how, he's already had. Was it more than? Is that the only game he went 0 for 0? Yeah, sorry, I, I thought I was looking at something else. But like he's had two game, three games where he had zero field goals made. He's been goose egg twice. He has to score at least eight points a game. It's like you can't have a guy play that many minutes to take up space on the floor to to do nothing. Not I mean offensively, I should say, because their bench combined for what forty five minutes. 38, 38 minutes. I, like I get your point. He plays. He doesn't score offensively, but it's kind of a liability for a team that does that goes seven deep, right deep. Yeah, when they go cold, you want to have a guy that steps up. And Nevada did have a few spells in that TCU game where it, it was tough because whenever Nevada seemed to find their groove offensively, TCU just came right back and scored. And when Nevada went cold, TCU probably put a couple buckets in. So every time the Wolfpack inched. 
TCU had a response. I think uh, Kendall Stevens had a rough night too. He he was one for five from deep, but he had a couple that didn't hit anything, and uh, I think he had one that went right off the backboard. And and Stevens is a great player, but he's going to have nights like that. He's just he's just streaky. He'll hit three or four threes in one game, and he'll have a night like he had on Saturday or on Friday, I guess it was. But it's too bad, and and I think that Nevada will pick up the pieces from this game, and they'll be fine moving forward. But Texas Tech and TCU definitely laid down the blueprint of how to beat a team like Nevada. And I guess for the sake of Musselman and company is that they know that these teams will be hunting after them this season, and hopefully they can build up a game plan over these next four non-conference games and use it to their advantage moving into league play. So what do they have going for, like, their best chances for a good victory? Is it just, like, Boise, Fresno, um, West San Diego State, maybe UNLV if they move up? Like, are those going to be top 100 wins or, or top 100 potential wins? Yeah, Boise should be, UNLV should be. Uh, San Diego State probably isn't at this point. So you're probably looking at those two. Fresno State might make a run into the top 100, but you're going to need to probably – that. That uh, road game against Boise State on February 14th, that's going to be a big one. Um, and the final two games of the season are also huge at UNLV and at San Diego State to finish the season. So um, that final week or so will be really big for Nevada. And you just you just can't afford bad losses. You don't want to lose to any weak teams at home. You don't want to lose to Colorado State or San Jose State. And if you can pick up as many road wins as possible from here until Selection Sunday, then you put yourself in a position to at least grab an at-large if you're in that position. Are, is Nevada, I mean, one last thing, we'll move on to the other teams, but is Nevada at a point now if they want to at-large, they just need to compile a massive number of wins? I, I'm, I'm always Almost? Is it, it's close, right? Well, obviously you want as many wins as possible, and I think yeah. it's always hard to to look at a 27-28 win team and say, like, hey, these guys don't belong in the tournament just because you see that gaudy win total and that's kept a number of teams in the tournament field in years past. But at the same time, we've seen that with Colorado State just a couple of years ago. They won 27 games, and I think San Diego State in 2015 won. Well, was it Monmouth in 2016 the same thing? Won, like, yeah. 30 games and got left out? Yeah, they got left out, and San Diego State, I think, won 26 or 27 and got left out a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. So win total isn't as valuable as I think many people believe, but if they win quality road games and hold their own at home, don't have any bad losses, they should be okay. Just don't want to lose at home to New Mexico or don't want to lose against San Jose State at home, and you want to beat teams like San Diego State and Boise State. So Okay. Yeah, I, I guess time will tell. We'll see when it's you start cool. measuring resumes and whatnot. We'll see. It's still early. Uh, okay, so let's move on to the other ne- team in the state of Nevada, the Rebels, UNLV. So I think we can both say we're pretty much wrong on this team for the most part. Yeah, yeah it's I would okay. say it's so. Okay. It's okay. We're fine. Uh, we did our power poll. Did you put them number two again, UNLV? Yes, I did. Mm-hmm. I think I did as well. They beat Illinois, uh, which they almost blew it. I was watching, there's another one of those late tips on Saturday night. Started about ten o'clock, I think, Mountain Time, nine Pacific. Sounds about right. But they beat. Is, okay, I haven't seen too much of Illinois. They played okay. This isn't the same Illinois team from a couple years ago, or at least a decade ago, right? Do you mean like in terms of being that good? Yeah, they're not that good, are they? Or not as good as they used to be? No, they're not as good as like the late twenty, like early two thousands Illinois Jared, team. But they should Jared be. Jared Wilms, not that team. A little bit. No, not that good. No. <laughs> 
Okay, so it's still beating the team from the Big Ten, which people will say, okay, that's a good win. They they are like they beat who they beat Oral Roberts in Illinois after two games this week. Yes. We did we talk about the Arizona game? Yeah, we did last time. I'm trying to remember when we recorded. Mm-hmm. So, are where do we put them at? Because Brandon McCoy, really good. He blocks everything that comes his way. He's a presence below. He had 22 points. Led the team in score, or almost led the team. He had Jared Jelvin Morin or Jovan Morin, who amazing game, making his free throws. That's what practice, folks. 14 of 18. That's right. They're hit always the free, free. Hit the free throw line. So like them playing Illinois. Like I didn't watch a ton of this game. I watched part of the second half until it got late. And Eli, 48 free throws. 48. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, I think it was the ninth highest free throw total of the whole season of any team. So it's, good for yeah. them, but man, I got tired. I'm like, I'm done with this. I can't keep watching. I'm going to bed. <laughs> the free throw disparity is just ridiculous. The UNLV attempted 48, and Illinois attempted just 15. So you won't see many games like that one. You won't. But like watching this game, like UNLV had a nine point lead in the second and the start of the second half, and then slowly but surely Illinois chipped away. UNLV missed a couple buckets here and there. I was like, "Crap! Is this going to be a game where they lose?" They 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 held their own one by seven, but they, it's also a couple things when I see that they're a team that's still kind of a young team, still sort of new talent because, like McCoy wasn't here last year, Morin wasn't here last year. A lot of guys transfers come in who are finally eligible. It's still a team that's working its way together, and so those are not uncommon. Like the Arizona game, they had a lead, they kind of let that go away. Part of it because Arizona's good. Part of it, UNLV's had wasn't in these type of situations last year to play good teams. They were getting blown out last year. So, like, when you have a guy like McCoy who can block the shots, he's double-double, you have guys you could score, they're just a team where they're finally getting it together. And, like, we, I, we talked about this before. Who's going to guard McCoy? Utah State has no size. Aztec's defense isn't as good as they thought it would be. Maybe uh, Nevada just because they're athletic, but nobody has a size to hold up McCoy. He's odds are he's clearly freshman of the year at this point through non-conference play. I don't think anybody's played close to him or newcomer at all. I don't think anybody's in his same category. So, like they beat Illinois, who's a top about a hundred team, Ken Palm, 100, 101, somewhere in that range. I'm curious at what they want to see do in league play because they've held their own. Like they're not getting blown out. They depends what you think of Arizona, who's not as number two team, but they're not losing to bad teams. They've lost to Arizona and a really good Northern Iowa team. So I'm wondering if this is a team where they have they not that they figured it out, but like what happens when they play, let's say like at San Jose State. Not that the Spartans are good, but it's a road game, it's a league game, and they came off the Boise game, or they go to Air Force at altitude and play a team like that. I want to see when they play those type of games where they're not great teams, but they're away from home, and it's where they really where they really matter. I, I it's, for me, it's hard to tell if they're a team that that's not going to matter because while they're still very good. It's still a team where I could see them stumbling here and there in league play just because of their inexperience, especially when the season wears on for like guys who didn't play last year transferred in or McCoy who's never played. He's played a lot of basketball. He, I, may, I don't know if the under-19 thing will hurt him just because he played high school. He moved to under-19 go for a week over there. He's playing 30-something games in college basketball. Sometimes you see those freshmen, they played, what do you play in high school, 25 games maybe? They don't play this many games in this high level. So that could be something to watch for down the road. I know it's speculating, but I don't know. Like, Are they really this good at 8-2? and two? Are they a team that you think can – we put them number two in our rankings, so are they legit? Yeah, I, th- I think they are. And I think at the very least they present a pretty intriguing mismatch for the two games that they'll play in Nevada because 
Um, I've seen just about, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say every minute of UNLV this season, but I've tuned into at least a bit of every single one of their games, and you can see just how difficult it is to defend and really score on this UNLV team, which I was surprised coming in because I thought their defense was going to be pretty lacking, but they get it after it defensively and they have a lot of energy. But I think you're right because we've only seen them play in a true road environment once this season. That was the overtime loss to Northern Iowa. So we've we've mentioned it countless times of just how difficult it is to win in the road in league play. Mm-hmm. And obviously topping a team like San Jose State or Utah State probably isn't that difficult of, of a feat when you have the athletes like UNLV does. But when they go on the road to play Boise or on the road to play Nevada or San Diego State, that's going to be a game that probably goes down to the final minute or so because you're playing other experienced teams that are well-coached that um, play in front of a passionate home crowd, and uh, UNLV just isn't used to that yet. And so what they have between now and late January in terms of road games, they have Pacific, which is a pretty bad WCC team, San Jose State, which will probably finish last in the MWC. Air Force, which will either finish last or 10th. And Colorado State, which has been pretty brutal out of the gates until they play Fresno State on the road on January 23rd. So they do have four road games between now and and late January, but they are against relatively weak teams that we don't expect much out of them. So it's hard to really get a gauge of what this team will do on the road until at least late January, early February. So that works in the UNLV's favor, I guess, from a win-loss standpoint. But, I mean, when they need to win the games on the road, when they play Boise State and Nevada back-to-back on the road and then have San Diego State just a couple weeks after, we'll find out a lot about this team. That's a good point. I didn't realize they've only played one true road game when they went to Northern Iowa. Because the because the excuse me the Illinois game was at the MGM wasn't the Utah game at MGM as well? Yes. Okay, so yeah, the, yeah, it's in town, but it's still it's yeah it's it's good scheduling on their part though to limit road games, I guess, with this new newish team with uh, young guys and Menzies here too. So you're right that big weekend when they get like I said not till what January, February, sorry, Boise, Nevada. So they're legit. I it's. The only, th- the only issue I see right now with them having, again, Young on the road, and sometimes they have lapses throughout parts of the game, which is not out of the question for teams that are young. It could happen to any team. So we'll see. The thing, uh, one other thing to note about this team, they're pretty much two late baskets away from being 10-0 and in one of the final seven undefeated teams in the country right now. And that would, would probably place them in the top 25. So... If they just had different fortunes in the Northern Iowa and Arizona game, they'd stand 10-0 and with two quality uh, wins over Northern Iowa and Arizona. So I think UNLV is much better out of the gate than we expected. And the rest of their non-conference play is relatively light. They're at Pacific, home against Mississippi Valley State, and home against Northern Colorado. So they'll probably be 11-2 and by the time they host Boise State to open league play. So... That's going to be a good test for them, see how they defend Chandler Hutchison and the Broncos' perimeter offense. So that'll be a good game to watch. Yeah, and one last thing. They moved – I don't know if it's official today, but they've been in top 100 Kempom of late. So they moved up from like 130 and stuff. So uh, wherever they're at, they're top 100. That's very nice. So let's go to San Diego State. Um, would you – let me ask you this, Matt. Or not, I was talking, thinking football for a moment. Sorry, Eli. Um, what does surprise you? Aztec fans overreact to losses. 
wouldn't surprise you one bit. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me, but man, I think I mentioned on the last podcast that San Diego State would not lose this home game against California, uh-uh. and they managed to come up short against a team that has gotten blown out by Chaminade. Uh, they looked horrible and lost their home opener to the USC, USC Riverside and also got leveled by Central Arkansas. So I don't really know what to tell you. This Aztecs team still just has so many issues on both sides of the floor. And, I mean, calling for Brian Dutcher's head right now is absurd, but it's just remarkable to see where this program has gone the last couple of years because they just don't seem to have any sort of identity. Yeah, it's like Malik Pope's doing pretty good. Like, and Marcus Mitchell, or, yeah, Matt Mitchell, sorry, freshman playing pretty well. But, again, it comes down to, like, their defense. People, like, the reason they're so good under Steve Fisher, defense was, like, elite, like, top 10 elite. And offense would be good enough. Like, guys like Xavier Thames, they'd be good enough. They'd score just enough points with, like, Jamal or Franklin. on the, yeah, yeah, Franklin. He's over in China getting MVP awards. So, they don't have any offensive guy. Mitchell had a 31-point outburst early in the year. Which were like, slow down, relax. That's good, but hold on. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it, it's great, but their defense isn't great. Like giving up forty four percent, that's that's fine, but it's not elite. But here's the problem: like I had a podcast title a while. I think it was two years ago we did this. Can San Diego State shoot forty eight percent from the field? The answer is still no at the moment. <laughs> two years later, we're still searching for that. That's their problem. Defense is okay. Offense has nothing. Like sixty two points isn't going to cut it. And especially against Cal, it's like, geez, Cal's just, they're probably the worst team in the Pac 12. Right? Who's worse than them? Washington State's improved. Oregon State's pretty bad, but is Cal the worst team in the Pac 12? I would say Washington's so. Washington's pretty bad, right? Yeah. You, you know about that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Cal, Cal definitely has the worst resume to date, but it's odd. And, and Mark Ziegler mentioned this in his three thoughts that San Diego State, I guess the worst thing. Uh, how do I phrase this? The worst thing than having poor shooters that don't think they can shoot is having poor shooters that think they can shoot. Uh-oh. And like you have guys that are just jacking it up from the perimeter, taking jumpers early in possession when this team ranks, I think, in the 300s and three-point percentage. But they have no problem lofting them up from deep. And like I hope they get this figured out. But it's just the offensive inconsistency is just ridiculous they seem to put up 90 whenever they play a weak team and have spurts of five six minutes where they go without a field goal against strong opponents or just average opponents like california and i've i've mentioned this so many times that trey kill and jeremy hensley which are your two backcourt studs they're they never seem to be on the same page in terms of scoring you'll have one night where Maybe Kel will, will score 18 and then Jeremy Hensley goes cold and can only hit maybe three of nine shots. I think that they haven't as they haven't combined to shoot 40 or 50 percent. I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher this statistic, but I I found something a few weeks ago that since Kel and Hensley have been playing together for the last three seasons, they've combined to shoot over 50 percent in much less than half their games. Uh, so just pretty inconsistent the scoring just isn't there right now and the the defense is still really good it's 31st in the country but it isn't good enough to the point where it can shoulder some of the inconsistencies of the offense for a team that currently ranks 115th in adjusted offensive efficiency right now you know what the rank in three point percentage 304th oh man 
And there's only 351 D1 teams. I was looking through a couple of stats. Part of this is from Ziegler's piece, other stuff I looked up. But, yeah, they're bottom 50, essentially. This would be their worst three-point shooting percentage if it continues on this pace since they were 5-23 and 23 in Fisher's first season. They, you see, the thing uh, that's concerning is, if okay, if you're bad at three-point shooting, obviously that's not something that's going to benefit for your team. But if you're 304th in three-point percentage and you're also... Three hundred fourth and three point attempts. That means you're. I mean, like it means you're self aware, right? So you know you yeah. can shoot the three. So don't shoot the three. But I'm seeing right now on Kempom that they're two hundred sixteenth in three point attempt rate, and so that's still less than average. But they're shooting. That's almost a hundred ranks higher than what their three point percentage says. So that that's a bit of an identity issue, I think, right there. And you have big men down low that can score too. I mean. Yeah hand the ball into Malik Pope, and he'll probably be able to get you a bucket, or Jalen McDaniels, who hasn't seemed to hit the floor as much as he should um, because he's a talented guy that can score the basketball as well. So uh, it's it's tough to it's tough to see the team fall like this because they have so much talent, and they just can't seem to put it all together. Six of 28 versus Cal from three-point range. I, this, they don't need to attempt 28 threes. No, they don't. They're a team like go back. Like I remember, I know they lost to Florida Gulf Coast a couple years ago. Part of that was because the two very. I know I'm not going to compare the two teams, but Gulf Coast. Watch, they still do this now, despite not having Andy Enfield there. They were up and down, fast break, breakneck pace. Aztecs want to score. Like this 60 point range is fine for the Aztecs. The problem is they're not efficient. That's that's a, kind of the big difference. And the defense isn't as good. And the, you know this loss, like or two things. Ken Palm, even though Washington State is six and three, they've now lost Aztecs to the two worst Ken Palm teams in the Pac-12. Cal one sixty-seven, Washington or no, yeah, Washington State in the Legacy is one eighty-eight. So they lost to those two teams. Great, good job. This home loss against Cal is the worst loss at home since Northern Colorado beat them in their first year in Division One basketball. I, yeah, I, I said it's a new low for this program, at least in the new era uh, since Steve Fisher has come on. It's just not a game that you should lose. You have so much talent on that roster. You're playing against a Cal in their first-year coach, a, a team that has already gotten blown out by a non-D1 team this year. It's just not a game that San Diego State should lose, but they somehow came up short. And then the next game up, they host Gonzaga oh on December 21st. And, man... That Bulldog team is tough, so that's going to be a major issue for the San Diego State team. And, it, I mean, California does not have that much talent, but they slide into a 2-3 zone, force SDSU to mm-hmm. loft up some threes. That's and, why they shot 28, because yeah. you're not going to guard me. That only works if you're making it. If you're not making them, yep. let Keep them shooting. shoot. Cal will, yep. Cal, will, Cal pack it in. That means you can't get it to the big guy down low. You can't get the Pope. And, yes, I you got to shoot. You shoot the open shot, clearly. But Cal, what's the point of Cal putting the hand up more than just kind of waving at you if you're four feet mm-hmm. away or going, uh, what's the point of guarding them if you're not going to make it? They would extend the zone, maybe go back to man if you start making it. So it's like, that's not a coaching thing. They were taking the correct shots when they're open because it's given to them. I don't care if you're 0 for 50. If you're open you're, and you're good, you think you're good enough, you're going to take the shots. Problem is you're not making the shots. And so it's, well, what is Cal going to do? They'll just get pack it in. And odds are four, four against two down low, whatever it may be, they'll get the rebound when they're packing it in. Unless it's a long rebound, there's no chance. So they're making the right shots. This isn't a coaching thing. This is a guy executing thing because Cal did their thing. Okay, zone, shoot, Aztec shoot the ball because you're open. 
Something's got to give. You got to do something. If you're three pointer, you can attack a zone. Like no need to go into how you attack and do do these things. But okay, if your shot's not falling for three point range, and they're doing a zone, do some motion. Do something to make the zone extend a little bit. If your shots aren't falling, do move, whip the ball around. Do something. Attack the basket to make the zone adjust. They just got to you got to do something. Like teams will do this. Like if they're gonna shoot threes, they'll either play zone or just play a soft defense and don't let Pope get the ball down low. And then they're not going to be very good at all. So it's not a coaching thing because they made the right plays for the most part. But it's the thing where, like, real quick, one quote from there from some strength coach who does stuff in that area saying this team is soft. Well, maybe. I don't know. But it's not a coach thing. And one thing I bet Aztec fans are talking about, which is pure speculation, but not that the hire is a bad hire, but it's the same thing Steve Fisher was late in his career where they kind of slowly downturned, not to talk about about Fisher, but... The past couple of years, they kind of went down a little bit on offense. So if they have the same guy, the same philosophy, essentially with Dutcher, Dutcher there, or Dutcher, sorry, but you know what I mean? It's like maybe an outside guy would have been a better fit just because it could have mixed things up more than moving a guy over 12 inches. It, it's it's possible. I think we're still a month into mm-hmm. Dutcher's uh, tenure there in San Diego State, and I think we'll be able to figure it out. But uh, it's just... It's difficult what this roster has in store right now. You look at Jeremy Hensley, who shot over 35% from deep his first two seasons as an Aztec, is just 4 of 25 this year from beyond the arc. That can't happen. You can't be shooting 16% when you're supposed to be one of the top perimeter threats. I guess one of the good things is that they get Max Montana back, but he's their he was their top three-point threat last season. He's just 4 of 14 from beyond the arc this year. Matt Mitchell appears to be a decent scorer. He's the top three-point shooter on the team right now. And you don't only need to shoot threes, obviously. You want to get some scoring inside and outside. But even against teams that run man, like I noticed that against Arizona State in the second game of the year, they just settled for so many jump shots when they could have attacked the basket. And I don't I don't know if that's a personnel issue or that's a coaching issue, but something needs to change because they can't end up coming up short in these games against teams like Cal, or maybe it comes down to a home game against Colorado State or New Mexico or something. You just never really know with this team when they have an off-shooting night and the defense isn't there. They might come up short in a game that they should have won, just like we saw on Saturday. Yeah, because Montana back, he was 0-6 from three-point range. It's like, well, come on. All right, let's move on. So let's move to the next team. Um, Let's go to Boise State. They are apparently, I did not know this, best start in school history of basketball. Nine and one. That's uh, that's pretty impressive, right? Definitely, and they they could have been almost they could have been ten and zero. They came back in that Iowa State game without Chandler Hutchison, which is pretty impressive. They came up short in that one, but this team has been, I would say, a pleasant surprise in this league. And no one expected them to be bad by any means, but going on the road, winning a tough game against Oregon, they throttled Loyola Chicago, who just beat Florida and Gainesville the other day. Oh, that's right. So, sorry, sorry, Brandon. Apologies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man, he wasn't happy about that one. No. So they do. They actually have a couple big games coming up, too, the rest of non-conference play. They host Grand Canyon, who maybe isn't as good as most expected heading into the season, but that's still a pretty good whack team. And then they go on the road to play SNU on December 18th, a team that they beat last year at home in Boise. So they do have two more opportunities to pick up quality wins before they host Colorado State in the first game of league play. So with Boise State really quick, they are 
they're not going to be ranked this week. No, no Mountain West team is going to be ranked. Is that safe to say with Nevada losing two close ones? I think that's safe to say, yeah. Are they the only team? Is anybody else getting votes? Yeah, Boise State with one. San Diego State got one. Nobody, uh... I was going to make a comparison. Never mind. That's, um... I throw that... That, that goes my part of the show right there. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, no team will be ranked. Uh, Boise, I don't know what to say. They beat Portland, who's not a good team. Oregon, we mentioned them, the buzzer beater. Sac State's awful, so... I guess they get Grand Canyon at home. That'll be a big one. But SMU, we'll talk about that next week a little bit. But that's going to be a pretty good matchup. It's uh, They're just playing well. Like, is this – should we consider – let me ask you this. Should we consider them maybe the best team in the conference? I think Nevada has a is still a better team. And we've, we've seen – I mean, Nevada's played a tougher schedule to this point going on the road hypothetically against Texas Tech and TCU. And – Although Boise State did pick up a big win at Oregon, I think the Ducks aren't nearly as good as most people think. So I still hesitate to say that Boise State's better, but I think, and I've said this before, that the most impressive thing about this Broncos team is even when Chandler Hutchison is on, they just continue to play their game and continue to look smooth on offensive defense, and they've been dominant against the bad teams. They've been impressive against the better teams, so... I think that road game against SMU will tell us a lot because the Mustangs are pretty solid this year. Um, but, yeah, this it's a good team, and they have a lot of bright spots there. They have good shooters, and they've been playing a really solid defense. Yeah, I thought they were better because Oregon is 147 RPI, so it's not very good. They snuck by a bad UTEP team who fired – or sorry, Coach quit. So, like, they, Loyal, Chicago, Loyal Chicago could be a good win. It's a top 100. If they do something special and can get back on track after that, I'm not sure if they've done since in the Valley. Oh, they're 10-1, so there's that for them. Okay, that's good, right? 10-1 for Loyola. Maybe they'll get off a good run, and that'll help out that victory get a little bit better. But, yeah, they're, they haven't played anybody great, really, besides Iowa State. Like Southern Utah. Did you know at this moment, Southern Utah Southern Utah is a better RPI than Oregon? Wow. Hmm. That'll Who's change. Like, <laughs> no kidding. Once league play. Still, Pac-12 play. See, that's the thing about playing a big-time conference. Washington State, like, they're – well, Ken Palm's a little bit different, but, like, they're 150. They'll be, like, move up to, like, a top 75 team after they play Arizona, UCLA, and Utah or something, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> so, yeah. let's see. So, oh, man. so, maybe that win for Boise could be a top 50 win at some point. The coveted and hated top 50 wins by Gary Parrish every year. He, that's right. <laughs> I will bring that up all the time because he's exactly true, and hopefully these road stuff matters. And so, that road win at Oregon, that could be – let's say – realistically, let's say Oregon – like honestly, they could be a top eighty team. Is that far fetched RPI? Do you think that? I think be- that's fair, and I'm pretty sure the category one. You know, we we talked about that grouping before. Yeah, I'm pretty sure one through seventy five road games or road games against teams that are ranked in the top seventy five in RPI are category one wins. So I think that'll be really big for Boise if Oregon can stay in that top seventy five range, and then Boise State could finish the season with a category one win, which would be huge for their non or excuse me for their resume. And I will make this point, though. You mentioned uh, asking me if Nevada's worse than Boise State. I do think Boise State has or could end up with the better non-conference resume. So they do carry that. Yeah, I I do, because they Hmm. carry that road win against Oregon, which, like you said, could end up with a column one victory there. And they also have the chance to win on the road against SMU. So Hmm. they could potentially pick up two Category 1 wins and. I, I don't have all the category designations in front of me, but Nevada's best non-conference win will be at home against Rhode Island, and if Rhode Island doesn't stay in 
top 30, I believe, that won't be a Category 1 win. So Boise State would hold the advantage 2-0. to zero. So, so what about neutral real quick? Because Illinois State is a top 100 team. They blew them out. How does neutral work then for that Category 1 or 2 wins? Uh, it's it's not weighted as heavily as road wins, of course. so I don't I don't think that's going to be a category one. That might be two or three. I'll I'll have to check these numbers back in the the coming days or so. But I do think the Boise State non conference resume will look much stronger than Nevada's at season's end. So if Boise State pulls off a number of these league wins, and like we said, the same thing with Nevada, if they don't have any bad losses and they win on the road. I think might they might have a more attractive resume on Selection Sunday than Nevada. Interesting. One quick note: Illinois State. I'm like, let me check their schedule. You know, they're only four and six and still a top hundred team. Have they played some tough teams? They lost to Florida Gulf Coast. They beat South Carolina. There's that Boise. They beat Tulsa. They beat Quinnipiac or Quinnipiac. Quinnipiac. Jeez, Quinnipiac. Is that where they are? Actually, that's Quincy. Oh, Quincy. <laughs> where that is. <laughs> oh, not Quinnip Quinnip Quinnipiac. Okay. Um, they lost to Charleston Southern, lost to Nevada, of course, beat Tulsa, lost to BYU on the road, and lost to Murray State. So they huh. haven't played a soft schedule by any measure. It's it's weird. It's it's okay. It's a decent schedule. Like BYU's okay yeah. on the road. Boise's good. What's Tulsa? They're not. They're usually okay, but huh? That's odd. All right, let's. Uh, we need to wrap this up quick. We I know we don't get to every team, but we don't need to make this super long. Um, let's go to Wyoming. We talked to Cowboys. We did not talk about them last week. We're not going to talk about the games too much, but um, what is there an official nickname for Auditorium Arena, or did you just kind of go off on the poll on our Twitter account just because? Well, I think Wyoming has named it the the Dome of Doom, so I wanted to play off that and see what people thought. Um, I don't know if you have the stats in front of you right now. I can go check it, but I put out a poll question the other day asking if the nickname Dome of Doom for Arena Auditorium is cool or lame. I'm looking and the for initial it. returns came out very heavily favoring lame, but I think Cool made a significant uh, comeback. I would imagine Wyoming fans got to that one pretty quick. And I'm sifting through it right now. I don't know if you've seen it yet. I'm, I haven't found it yet. It's Man, a, we, here's we, the thing. A lot. Is it very difficult? Uh, here, I found it here. Because somebody put a, a joke out. It's MWY or Cool lame. They go, really lame? <laughs> cool, I work for them, it's 0% lame. So far, we are really lame by three votes. <laughs> but uh, yeah. it's all it's all tongue-in-cheek. Yeah, is Wyoming's Dome of, Do- Dome of Doom cool or lame? I don't know why it's lame. I think it's pretty cool. Right? Is, I-, I don't I don't know. I feel like it might be kind of lame. What would be a good nickname then? So, because here's the thing. The obvious choice is do some sort of cowboy-related, right? Like do something with the West... So, what would you come up with? It hey, somebody to come up with name. Here's my thought: if you have, if you don't like a name, and you got to come up with something better. Yeah, you're right on that. Do you have something better? You're right on that. <laughs> um, I you got to do something maybe with. I I guess playing on dome is a good idea. Off the top of my head, I can't think of anything. I don't know dome of doom. That kind of seems kind of. I don't know. It doesn't really scream intensity to me. It doesn't really... Uh, I, I don't know. It's, it's not it's doing not it for a, me. I would say it's not a bad name. I've seen worse. I've heard worse. I do like do you know com- anything that's worse? I have to think about it. Um, yeah, wise wise guys. 
<laughs> just uh, I do like the comment it says you mean the repurposed Bond villain Bond villain secret lair. Did you see that comment? <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> and then somebody put Doctor Evil on the side of a mountain there because for whatever whatever Austin Powers that was in the third one I think. It's whatever. It's if you have a nickname I don't care. Like I I don't have anything on top of my head because I haven't thought of anything. But here's the thing: they're good at home. Nobody wants to come there. What would you rather call it? the Cowboy Lair? That's kind of lame too, right? What, what yeah, you, that. It's like, yeah, we don't need any more of those. It's like I don't know. It's um, but walking into the Dome of Doom and then seeing CBI banners. I mean, oh, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that one's not going to settle well. Yeah, I'll think of I'll think of something else and I'll put it See, out there. What they should do is just stick with the. Uh, I think Air Force does like Welcome to Seventy Two Twenty or something like that. Just go with that. You know what I mean for the altitude. I think it needs. To I, st- I like that. It needs to go something along those lines, but it's not. It's not the best name, but it's not a terrible name. Mm-hmm. So, and it also here's the thing: they back it up at home too. They are a tough team to get at home. To oh beat, yeah, to beat them. And so, I don't care. You can have. You can call it the wimpiest or lousiest name you want. If they get victories at home, you can't complain about it. Definitely, it's funny because we got one comment that said something about like the arena auditorium in no way compares to. Viejas or Taco Bell Arena or Thomas and Mac, and that happened literally minutes before San Diego State lost at home to Cal. <laughs> so watch what you say. We're, I mean, we're paying attention. So. I replied to there. I put um, I just put a simple. They do have a solid home court edge. I would say it's Definitely. a better. Here's the thing: if you're gonna, if we're gonna, let's do this right now. We, if we rank the home court advantage, I would probably say is UNLV still number one, perhaps when they're really mm-hmm. good. I don't know. Maybe not now. But I would say, okay, here's what I put. I would say, because over the past years, we've discussed this the past few years, home court is t- is tough to defend. I mean, tough to get victories against. Fresno mm-hmm. has won at San Diego State. San Jose State has won at San Diego State. Teams go into UNLV and beat them. Teams go into the pit and beat, the Me- beat New Mexico. And so home getting road victories is very difficult. Going to Air Force, it's, hard. it's not going to be an easy win. Probably win, but it's going to be tough. So I would say if you're going to put these uh, home arenas – Honestly, Pokes top three, they might be the best home court edge right now. Nevada, maybe Nevada, then Wyoming. I'd say it's better than Boise State. I would definitely, think. yeah. It's close, obviously, because they're all good at home. But Wyoming, I would say they they could argue for number one. I wouldn't put. I wouldn't say that's out of the question. I wouldn't say clear cut number one. But when UNLV is really good, I would say UNLV and the Pit. But they're both not really good this year. Maybe UNLV is getting there. We still want to see more, but not the Pit. I would say like Nevada, UNLV, Viejas is really good when they're good, but they're hit or miss this year. When when every team's at their peak, what would you rank your top five? Top five? I would say, uh, oh man. Like every team is playing at top 20 or top 25 level. That'd be awesome, nationally. but let's see. <laughs> yeah, I know. We can dream, right? I would still say UNLV. Okay. I'd say, yeah, I'd say um, Thomas and Mack, The Pit, and then Viejas. That, that's a tough top three. Those are, I think those are the top three by far. When they're the best, I would probably. Here's the thing: Nevada's only been good, really good, this past couple of years. Nevada than Wyoming, I'd say Nevada. Here's my thing: those top three I mentioned are the top three in any order. But I'd probably say what I mentioned UNLV. Actually, no, I would say the Pit would be number one. That's what I would go. Yeah, would I'll go, go Pit, pit UNLV, Viejas. Well, Viejas is really good too. I'd say Pit number one, UNLV, v and Viejas are right there. That's the first tier. Then next tier would be Wyoming, Boise, and Nevada. I'd probably put Boise to tell into that. 
it's tough, man. You don't you don't think Utah State would be higher than Boise oh, State? Oh, the spectrum. Dang it. Yep. Man. Yeah. Honestly, There's some okay, tough no, honestly, in this league. I would say if it was, I know, Big West whack, honestly, spectrum could be top two, top three at their peak. I would probably go. I'm just saying, the, they, like people, people can get at yeah. me, but go ask guys like on the scout guys Utah State. I've I've unfortunately never been to a game at the at the not the pit, sorry, well neither, but at the Spectrum. But when they were like really really good, like when BYU came to town, or when like those big games with Long Beach State was really mm-hmm. good, and they came to town to play Utah State, that would sell out. They had like a like they won thirty plus games. How many times in a row? Twenty five plus games. I honestly, as a Spectrum, were to get back to that, they would be taught. They'd be contend with the Pitt and Viejas and Thomas and Mack. I think where I would go with this, I would have the Pitt number one. I think that is pretty definitive for me. Mm-hmm. And then I'd go, and this is assuming every team is at their peak, like top 20, top 25 level. I'd go the Pitt, then I would go Viejas, then Thomas and Mack. Okay. And then... Spectrum? I don't know, man. I, I think so, but I think what we've seen out of Nevada and Reno the last couple of years has been pretty impressive too. It's tough, like when they're that good. It's yeah, it's uh, see, you threw me for Utah State because they haven't been that good for a couple of years, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It's uh, that's a good. We'll have to get come back to this. We'll need to think about this a bit more. Definitely. Uh, well, it, like regardless, there are at least five or six buildings when when one of those five or six teams is good, it you're almost guaranteed a loss. And that's that's pretty impressive to have five or six teams in the conference that are just that good at home and have passionate fan bases like they do. All right, let's uh, wrap this up real quick. Let's talk Utah State since we mentioned them. They played in the uh, newly minted, apparently 30 years to making Beehive Classic, which is a joke. <sighs> 30 years hey, to making. I, I got you. Hey, Eli, do you want to pay 50 bucks for Upper Bowl tics, tickets to watch no. Weaver State, BYU, Utah State, Utah? No, I'm would you, to, would you like to pay three figures for near court side, mid court side? Yeah. Uh. I'll go shoot hoops in the garage. <laughs> we need to finish our <laughs> horse game, right? That thing. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, it's like that. Like that's not of importance to people around here, but it's like they always like. I'm I'm not from here, but I've been here long enough to know. Like basketball used to be like, yeah, Utah football finally got good. BYU football is has been good. What they've been doing the past however many years with Lovell Edwards. This used to be basketball, no matter what. You could sell out the crappiest game Utah playing whoever. Part of it when you have Rick Majerus in town, you have Andre Miller, Michael Doliak, Keith Van Horn, or Van Horn, sorry, <laughs> Jimmer <laughs> Jimmer Fredette at BYU, or even like Utah, like I said, Utah State when they had guys. Um, I forget who's on their team. Um, uh, JC Carroll, I mentioned that guy. He's still pretty good. He was good for them, but like they were really good teams, and it was always a basketball state, basketball school, no matter what or state. They wanted to do this tournament. It's like a, I get the point of not being a real tournament because you can only do is it one non-exempt tournament that's an actual bracketed. Is that correct? I believe so. And so that's why Utah doesn't want to be locked in or BYU because you can go to the Maui, the Legacy, the Coaches vs. Cancer. Well, that's different, but some sort of bracketed tournament, the Cayman Islands thing. You don't want to lock yourself in. So I get the point for that. But like promotion was terrible. Students got in. I think for ten bucks every University of Utah student, but like. It's it was just a, a joke. Like nobody showed. My buddy went there. He paid sixty bucks, had upper bowl ticket tickets during halftime of game one. Went down to sell like ten rows back. It's wow. like if you want people to go, like this wasn't promoted well at all by the schools or anything. And you think it'd be a big deal. And, it, and also think of it this way: this is the perfect weekend. There's no college football going on outside of Army Navy. Everything there's like it's not championship weekend. It's not. 
Thanksgiving weekend where it's packed with people out of town. This school's still in session, so it's not. And most students in the area aren't really far and wide travel. Like University of Utah, most people live in town or within 45 minutes of the area. You know what I mean? Like if you go to Utah, you're usually local. If you go to BYU, decent local. You know what I mean? Like you're usually from the area for the most part if you go to these schools. And nobody shows up. They don't promote it. They make tickets outrageously priced. I get it for two games, but I went to a triple header years ago at where the Houston Texans play. There was games like yeah, Texas A&M, LSU, when Houston was really good with, I think, Ralph Sampson was their head coach for a little while. Maybe. I'm not sure. But there was a triple header of really good games. I paid like 30 bucks, set 10 rows back for a triple header. Wow. I'm, I'm like, I, come on. They got to promote it better. And then Utah State goes there and they play, uh, B, uh, not B, they play Utah and lose. It's like, well, okay. But it was just a joke because it's one of these tournaments that people build up so big. Uh, it's, it's just a mess. Soon, they'll do it again next year. But Utah State, man, they are um, near the bottom, middle of my pack of my power rankings. I'm thinking they're not that high. They're five and six. They're not doing very good. Um, I just want to mention that tournament game because they lost Utah by ten. First game with uh, um, what's his name? Um, oh, juice. Shoot. Um, why am I blanking on what's his name who transferred? Doliet? No, not Doliet. Colette, right? Colette. Dave Colette. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you watch this pregame, if you're there. He gave a very half-hearted handshake to Coach Durier, <laughs> hugged multiple assistant coaches, and players. Interesting. And so and he showed up at 13 points. He did seven rebounds, a couple blocks. But, like, here, here's what I don't get about this game. Did you hear about why, like, the starters didn't really start this game? I didn't, no. The first half, two, starters had two points. Oh, you sent me that. Yep. Yeah, I don't. I didn't look into it. I, I, I just realized it again now. I should look it up for the podcast. But there was a deal. Like I don't know if there was something going on, but it was all bench points. So, <laughs> Quinn so, Taylor and D'Angelo Isby combined for forty six, and Marilyn yeah, McEwen yeah. had a combined six. I don't know what the deal was with that. Maybe there's something. Do we miss some, um, miss some um, punishment or something? I don't know. I, yeah, I'll I'll try to see what I can gather this week. But that's definitely interesting. And I guess Utah State's exploring some depth. They sure have been messing with their lineups a lot this year. And, and that's not only due to who's playing well and who's not. They've been dealing with injuries since the summer. Um, they finally have both McEwen and Pierre back. But it's yeah, that was an odd box score that she sent me when uh, pretty much everyone on the bench has at least seven or eight points and none of the starters have more than two. But... Uh, the the I guess a good thing against uh, for for Utah State excuse me is that they've been competitive just about every game even their thirteen point loss to Gonzaga they led that one late they besides Without the Gonzaga Michael, game too. yeah McEwen, yeah exactly uh, but all the other games haven't lost by more than ten points so they they've been there in just about all their matchups and they've played some good teams they played Valpo BYU Utah Gonzaga um, so I think it, Utah State's competitive. They're still not that great, but I guess they're just trying to find some answers right now. And if there is something that's going on with their starters, that would be interesting to see what they do moving forward. But really quick, they don't have that much time to figure it out. From this game, Kobe McEwen fouled out in just 16 minutes of play. He didn't score, had one assist and four turnovers. And Durier called his game, his performance, quote, just awful. In every area, mentally, physically, on the defensive end, on the offensive end, he was worried about things he shouldn't have worried about. Dang, hmm. that's pretty harsh. 
That is harsh, but I mean, McEwen is arguably top three, top five most talented players in this league, and there's no reason why against an in-state rival that you should <laughs> you should attempt four shots, miss all of them, foul out, and have four turnovers. That just that doesn't happen for a team for a guy that should be playing pro ball in a couple of years. Yeah, and this team, like University of Utah, knew what they're doing. They stuck on McEwen the whole game. Him and Merrill were just. Utah's defense just smothered them, and Utah's up like by 21 points, I believe, 20, 21 points. They came back. Aggies made it an 11-point game at the half, but it was just it's just a weird game. Like I, I couldn't watch because I'm packed off network, of course, which is another weird thing about the tournament that, or just these games. Utah-Utah State, packed off network. BYU-Weber State was on some local BYU TV channel. That's not how you get people <laughs> no. to turn into your <laughs> no. tournament. It's like I, I don't. What they, I don't need to get to the local TV scene, but if it's not a, if you don't if you can't get it, say ESPN or CBS North Sports wouldn't have picked it up. Fox Sports could have. The reason Pac-12 because Utah, but they're in all they're four different leagues, and so it's like mm-hmm. you yeah, have Pac-12 part of it. But here's the thing: all of them are on an ESPN network. <laughs> That's a potential. Weber State's may who knows? I'm, I'm not familiar with their schedule, but what they could have locally, there's a channel like that's local sports. It's just like those um, alternate like uh, my TV channels. One of those things. Why couldn't have that been local, at least locally aired here in the state, where anybody in the state of Utah could have watched it? It's like that would have made sense instead of being on Pac-12 Network. I know BYU TV is nationwide. If you want to watch that game, great. But put it on a channel everybody can get. If it's not on ESPN, CBS, or Fox Sports, whatever, get it on a channel that people in your area can watch. We can make we can have the same discussion about the Mountain West, very Missouri Valley Challenge as well, because they've had oh, their yeah. fair shares Jeez. of. Lack of TV issues. Let me ask this before we wrap up. Do you think that there's a case we made that D'Angelo Isby is the best scorer on the Utah State team? Why not? When your best guy scores zero points? Yes. He's been impressive this year. He's had a number of games in double-figure scoring, and he's pretty much been one of the only um, consistent offensive outlets for this team, which is shocking when you have a guy like Sam Merrill and also, Kobe McEwen, but well, maybe not. Right real quick, hold on. Maybe not. Two points versus UC Irvine, and only eight and seven versus Valpo and BYU. Yeah, I mean, I guess eight and seven isn't isn't the worst, but you do have a couple lackluster games in there. But for the most part, he's been good for yeah at least eleven points. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He had a zero points, but he only played eight minutes that Portland State game. He didn't need to play. But I'd say I'd say maybe I I would say he's probably the. The third scorer on this team that has the potential to lead is lead the team in scoring once every three games, which is what they need. They need some sort of third scorer. Like in this game, Mac McEwen hardly plays, plays terribly. He scores twenty four points. They need Isby to be a guy where, say Merrill or or like this. I'll stick with this Utah game. When your stars aren't playing well, he's a guy that can step up. That's what they need him to be. So he's a guy where probably their third scorer. I think is he third in the team in scoring? I think he would be. Let me double check here. Yes, no second the, actually. The yeah. point being made, I guess, is that Marilyn McEwen have not been quite where we would expect them to be, and mm-hmm. Isby has probably exceeded expectations at this point. Yeah, that's probably the best way to put it. So mm-hmm. they have those three guys are averaging more than ten points, and yeah, McEwen, Montana State, and BYU. That's about it. He's, and who cares about Mississippi Valley State? It's eleven points. Come on, he needs to show up in big games, and he he has a couple times. But I would expect him to get closer to seventeen than eleven. Yeah, so, that, that is fair. Yeah, maybe they'll pick it up in league play. But Isby, I could say he's a. Uh, I don't think he'll lead the team in scoring, but he's gonna be a guy where, not boom or bust, but he is. I'd say 
it's hard to say because McEwen's so good. From what, I'll say this: from what we've seen this year, Isby has the potential to have the best scoring game of any player on this team. I, yeah, I think that's fair. He may not, but he like he did what he could in this Utah game to lead this team. I would say the most consistent scorer is Sam Merrill, just because he's doing quite well. But I'd say Isby uh, most potential to blow up so far from what we've seen. Mm-hmm. All right, so that's all we got for tonight. If we didn't talk about your team, sorry, Air Force, sorry, Rams, sorry, Spartans. Uh, uh, Fresno State, Philip Stadium, Philip Safe Martin. Maybe we'll talk about you. Ouch! So, Throwing shots. So, They're oh, winning games, though. They are winning games. Um, actually, well, the well, let's talk about women's hoops for quite half a second because we're both going to fake this. But New Mexico women's basketball beat Navy, who was nine and one. They are undefeated at the moment. They are not yet ranked. They better be ranked on Monday. May, we may have to talk about women's hoops if they keep doing this good, Eli. Definitely, yeah. Because we need to give love to everybody. It's basketball. We didn't save it to men's or women's. They're eleven to zero. They've beaten um, Marquette, who is ranked top top twenty, Wichita State. They beat Illinois by thirty points. Jeez, that's a big one. I think that Marquette win was in overtime as well. That was a pretty crazy game. Texas Tech by forty points. They're running guys out of the building. Can we uh, get a little bit of that chair on the men's side? Oklahoma. They got Oklahoma coming up. Can we um? Right. Can we just say we want UConn? Is that safe to say? Or is that too bold? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh man. You know what happens when teams say we want Bama? That does not end well. <laughs> it's like say women's hoops. We want UConn. No, we'll pass. We'll see. But they, <laughs> pay attention to them. They're eleven to zero. Oklahoma is usually good at women's hoops. I'm not here to say how great they are or anything or, or how good their opponents are or, or not good. But I see they rank team. They beat Marquette, like you mentioned, uh, by one point. But they're on most of the games are on the Mountain West Network. So they got a uh, Texas Tech. Oh, that's recently. Sorry. Yeah, they go to Oklahoma. Maybe that's on. I don't know if you can find out. Watch it. But here's what you got to do, guys. If you're going to this game, they ho- they host Lamar December twentieth. Ugly sweater night. You got to go to that oh, game. Yeah. You can get um. Let's see. Wear an ugly sweater. Set, set sweater. Excuse me. Get a five dollar bench seat. Not that we're pimping for tickets, but man, geez. <laughs> and really, not not to kid, but this team like New Mexico women's hoops. They are one of the few teams in the country that actually gets people to the games, like Tennessee, UConn, Notre Dame women's basketball is really good. They're one of the few programs that actually fill out the stadium, or a majority of it compared to 1,000 or 2,000, where it's not not a ton of people and go to women's hoops. We're not going to kid anybody on that front. But they send people there, so they're undefeated, and maybe we'll need an article or two from them. So we'll see. But check them out if you get a chance. And yeah, that's all we got to say. We end on women's hoops. That's what we do here. We talk about everybody. So you mix it up. Also, we we made a. If you didn't listen to our football show, we're no longer biased against your team, folks. No longer. <laughs> apparently, that's being retired by. I got outvoted two to one. Apparently, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. Majority rules. I'll go with it. And if it slips out, I'm sorry, but that's what we do here. We're going to. If it slips out, blame me. But we're not going to do that. We're I guess for peak coverage. Is that what we're doing now? That's what Matthew said. Matt said. How did you end? How did you end the football show? I just said we'll see you next time. Boring, right? Mm-hmm. We'll uh, we'll figure something out. I don't remember what the CBS guys do, but they seem to have some sort of continuity with how they end their shows. That's why I like bias against your team and said, like peace out, we're done. But uh, that's all we got. We'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll think of some, if you have a comment, maybe maybe it's just peace out, we're done. <laughs> yeah, but peace out's what the guys on the ESPN Fantasy Football Show do. So I can't copy that. That's a, <laughs> oh man! Huh. But we'll all right, work so on it. we'll figure it out. We'll think of something. So I, I don't know. What we'll do, but check out our show, MWC Wired, or excuse me, MWWire.com. That's our website. We're on Block Talk Radio, TuneIn, Stitcher, um, wherever you get your podcast, you'll find us there. And uh, I guess I'll end up boring. And see you next time, folks. <laughs>